the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good. All right, so folks, it's Memorial Day, so let's start thinking uh, deeply, shall we say. Our flag does not fly because the wind moves it. It flies with the last breath of each soldier who died protecting it. Ain't that the truth? Uh, and George Patton, uh, well, let's, let's go back. Um, as George Patton said, and it's, I'm sorry, uh, home of the, bre- the free because of the brave. Our nation owes a debt to the fallen heroes that we can never fully repay. As we express our gratitude, we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter the words, but to live by them. I hope somebody in Washington is listening. <laughs> anyway, uh, so it's Memorial Day. I hope you're all going to have a beautiful day out there. I hope you're all going to have a great weekend. But just remember why we have Memorial Day. In the meantime, um, some people have asked me, uh, you know, how do I get a hold of you? You go to WHK1420, go down to local podcast, just, just scroll down to, lo- uh, to the Smart Investor Show, and get a hold of me. Uh, there's all sorts of contact me, email me. Uh, you know, I keep talking about the insight. Uh, banner that's on the top of the page uh, has a lot of solid research. I've been noticing that we had a record number of people look at it last week. Uh, and under bulletin board, Rob Schleimer has his roadmap piece, which I highly recommend. Uh, we also have a newsletter there every week. And then uh, you can you can sign up to get our dividend growth portfolio uh, ADRs. Remember, we talked about our ADR. The ADR is starting to look pretty good. Now, I'm talking about big European ones, okay? Our top ideas, uh, our small cap ideas, our prime income list. Um, look, people ask me, uh, you know, why I don't talk about insurance products on the show. And insurance products are fine. I, I deal with them pretty regularly. But uh, you got to understand that a lot of the insurance products have prospectuses that are about two inches thick. <laughs> and um, there's a reason for it, okay? Uh, and I'll just leave it at that. All right. So uh, they can be they can be very helpful if there's a gray area. You're not sure you have enough money to retire on, and there's that gray area. You can use them for that, and we'll just leave it at that. Okay. Um, anyway, it's the live show. You got a question? The number here is two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. That's two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. So. You know, I was listening to Lori Calapacina last week, and she's a pretty smart lady. She's now starting to show up on CNBC quite a bit. And um, she said in the meetings that she had, uh, there was a broad sample of U.S. and non-U.S. based investors. So both hedge funds and long only, you know, that type of thing. And um, the stock market essentially has ignored the recession coming out of World War II. They remember that. And we typically talk about this chart after walking through our list of reasons why the S&P 500 has been so resilient in 2023. Look, one of the reasons they're having this showdown in Washington about the debt ceiling is the government is spending money like it grows on trees. Okay, and the key here is, is that because of that spending, I don't think we're going to have a recession as much as the Fed would like a recession. I don't think we're going to have one. So it's one of those things that, you know, if you took a trip down the rabbit hole uh, and didn't change your minds about, you know, looking at the period uh, or whatever, the present day, shall we say, 
Um, it, in my mind, there are enough similarities to the, the, the war, you know, the World War II. I mean, look, we had shortages. We had labor shortages. Uh, you know, not not all the veterans that came back went right back to work, and some of them were having some hard times, as veterans do. And, and you know, uh, ladies were doing a lot of the, the, the hard work. I mean, they were keeping the factories running, and, and we had a shortage of, of all sorts of goods, and there was inflation, okay? So the pandemic's a lot like that. So if you look, we did... The recession came after the market bottom. The market was up almost 17% by the time the recession hit. So, you know, that's why we are looking at this uh, and saying, hmm, okay. The S&P 500 blew through that 4195 area that I talked about. That's a big resistance area. Uh, we did it on Friday. And, and I thought it was interesting. We had a bad inflation number on Friday, yet uh, the debt ceiling thing being better, uh, they took it took that as a positive and, and took the market up. So the S&P is back in a positive stance. Uh, the in, institutional investor sentiment is showing some signs of recovery. I, in my career, have never seen people of this bearish. And what's interesting, and, and I was talking with Rob Schleimer, uh, and you know, he says the, the technicals are improving. So the demand supply situation is improving, yet the 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 um sentiment is going down the tube so uh the performance of re regional banks and small caps are are showing some signs of stabilization now look i, I tried to explain this to a few people and what we're having is the large caps are going up and if you look at the s p 500 uh, the the advanced decline line kind of broke out last week all right now if you look at the s p 500 versus the s p 500 equal weight which instead of capitalization weighted it's one vote per stock the the capitalization uh, the capitalization weighted has been uh beaten it pretty soundly this year all right but the key here is this that you know everybody says that's negative well it may be positive it drags those thing up remember when you i talked to a gentleman on our nasdaq desk and one of the things he talked about was back in in um you know uh february there was several houses that had a million shares, million shares of the small cap index, the Russell 2000, hit their desk. I think they have 11 minutes to fulfill that. So that's all 2,000 shares. So because of the regional banks, there's such a, a big weighting in there, people didn't want to own them. So a lot of these small cap stocks got hammered because there was no bid, number one. Number two, they had 11 minutes to sell all 2,000 stocks. So that's the good and bad of of what we see in these ETFs. Okay, so uh, you know, well, let's just put it this way. I, I think you know we we had a, a, a negative number um, on Friday, and you know, um, you know, we talked about the Tom Demarks group and the Demark thirteen setup for regional banks. Well, they, a lot of them rallied like 10, 15% Friday, uh, last week. So we're starting to see some of the stuff that we like. Now, some of the banks are in pretty good shape. I don't know if just three banks were poorly run. I don't know about that either. But uh, the, you know, the S&P 500 was in that narrow range, 4,100 to 4,190. And, you know, we actually broke down for a while last week. And then we blew through it Friday. Uh, so that's that's, you know. I think what they're starting to do is fade the inflation trade. Um, and the most, I think, you know, if you listen to CNBC, Paul Tudor Jones, you know, who's a big time, big time hitter, legendary macro investor said uh, the Fed is done raising rates. Okay. So um, I thought that was a pretty crucial thing. So the April core, uh, you know, producer, I mean, the, the, the PCE index came in much hotter than expected at 0.4. I think the street was at 0.3. So it's a hot print. You know, so uh, look, what, what drove it up? Financial services, housing, used cars. Uh, I, I think used cars are going to be, are one of the biggest bubbles out there, by the way. Uh, so this, 
you know, I mean, if, but if you look and you and examine the numbers, future inflation could be cooling, and that implies a future inflation. You know, well, look, the, the second, uh, the sixty nine percent of the core PC X housing now has three million annualized inflation. It's it's below five percent. What is the average sixty five year average? This is you know, that's less than five percent. It shows that inflation could be peaking. So. There's a lot of things going on here. And then the debt ceiling, you know, uh, it looked like Friday to me that they were starting to make some ground. And, you know, why we, we always wait till the last minute, I never know. But uh, I don't know if, they, you know, they just trying to puff out their chests or, or what. Uh, but, look, I, I think this is going to get passed. I don't know if it's going to be something we like, but I think it's going to be passed. Um, and, you know, I guess it'll, it'll depend on the press, which who, who we can't depend on, uh, really, uh, as to who's the winner. <laughs> but, you know, there you go. So, you know, Friday it looked good, uh, the, but the inflation number was negative. You know, it should have sold the market off. So maybe that's fading into the dust. Now, one of the things that I'm seeing is that there's a deglobalization going on. All right. And as far as I'm concerned, that's good. But, um, you know, globalization helped deliver some widespread progress for a while there, but then uh, people, you know, the politics started getting into it, and Russia decided that that wasn't a good idea, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's a deglobalization process, which could hurt the emerging markets. Now, I've seen the, you know, if I look at my ADRs and I look at the larger capitalization European stocks, they look pretty good. Um, I don't know about the Emerging markets. If I look at the S and P versus emerging markets, and I plot it on a point and figure chart, it it it's down the column of O's. So it's not you know we're not seeing great things in emerging markets. We are seeing them in the more adorable, bigger names in Europe. Okay, so um, now uh, look, the world economy has proved pretty resilient. I believe the risk uh, of the outlook remain tilted to the downside. For now, okay, uh, so it's kind of an economic conundrum, conundrum, and we have sentiment that's negative, but the technicals are turning up. At least, you know the the U.S. technicals. As a matter of fact, domestic equities jumped to second place. Technology went from second place to first place. So technology's gone from last place to first place. And I uh, I did see that uh, healthcare, which I've been talking about quite a bit, kind of uh, set back a couple steps. Uh, so, you know, but, but we've had recessions before we've lived through them. And so it's, it's, it's a period of time where, uh, you know, does, there's no recession template. Okay. So we don't know how the market's going to act, whatever. Now, look, one of the things I talked about last fall, and then again, in February was the 5% CDs. Now I bought JP Morgan. I figured they couldn't get in trouble. Um, and we, we also bought, uh, some treasuries. I know those, those are interesting. Uh, now a lot of people are, are going to insurance products. You just got to be careful with those simply because of the fact that, you know, sometimes they, they lower the interest rate on you. And, you know, when they start raising the short-term rates, what eventually happens is they come down when they start to lower them and that's what they base it on. So be careful out there with those. I think the biggest thing that's happened last few years. And this is kind of a bummer because, you know, if you've got kids and, and they're trying to buy their first home, we've had kind of the death of the starter home. You know, I mean, you could buy a house for $200,000 in 2018. That same house goes for three hundred and twenty-two in 2022. So 73% of the aspiring homeowners cited affordability as the primary obstacle. And home, you know, owning a home drives our economy as does credit. And uh, it, it's hard to get, I mean, getting credit for a $200,000 home, it's hard enough, uh, but getting credit for a $350,000 home is, is very, very difficult. So single family homes uh, builds require 41% more time than it did in the 1990s because of uh, all sorts of stuff that you need, permit delays. And, you know, believe me, the permit delays, the airplay and politics in these permit delays. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens going forward, but I, I think it's important, you know, that means the home builders are not going away. 
Okay, now we talked about the home builders several times on the show, and I think you're going to see uh, a lot of things go forward. Okay, so now uh, every t- every week on the show for the rest of your life, probably you're going to hear me talk about the wealth plan. I had four or five people turn their wealth plans in, of which three of them are not clients this week, and I think it's important <clears throat> because it gives you a map. All right. You know, one of the problems, I'm reading this book called The Wager, and uh, it's about the the English uh, versus the Spanish in the war and how they they sent our, uh, uh, a set of English ships, or armada, whatever you want to call it, down below South America and back up to chase the Spanish and try to steal their gold. However, you know, they had latitude. But they did. They had. They had longitude, but they had no latitude. But they didn't have longitude, so they didn't know that where they were. So if you don't know where you were, how can you get to where you want to go? <laughs> and you know, I always say it's Alice and the Cheshire Cat. Alice said to the Cheshire Cat when she came to the fork in the road, "Which road should I take?" And the Cheshire Cat asked, "Where are you going?" And she said, "I don't know." He said, "Well, either road will get you there." The wealth plan puts that together. And by the way, when you become a client, you know, I sat down with a gentleman Friday and Thursday, uh, a, a couple, and showed them, hey, you got a 99% success rate here. Let's see what we, you know, what games we can play here if we want to, to see if we can, you know, screw it up. <laughs> so actually, the, the couple, uh, talking about buying a vacation home in, in either South Carolina or Florida, and, uh, you know, it's... It, the price they're paying is pretty high, but it only take them from a 99% success rate down to an 80% success rate. And what we do is we look over the entire Monte Carlo situations, all right? So the best and the worst to see if we win. And it's it's good stuff. And, it's, uh, and by the way, you can do that in the playground section. So you can't use the playground until you become a client, unfortunately. So anyway, uh, right now, I think it's very, very important to have a barbell approach to your portfolio. You know, the bar is your insurance contracts, your your CDs, uh, your def- your prime income list, your dividend growth portfolio. On the right-hand side, I think you need some value stocks. On the left-hand side, you need some growth stocks. Hey, let's take a break. And uh, the number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. I'm just mad about saffron. Oh, Saffron's mad about me I'm just mad about Saffron We call it the fairy godmother moment. That moment when we fixed your problem, cleaned up to apple pie order, and are heading out the door. Why? Because we're not the hero of this story. You are. We're just privileged with the chance to come on the scene when you need us, while could doodle your problem away, and leave you to attend the ball. That's the fairy godmother moment. Except, we want to do one more thing before waving goodbye. Give the important parts of your plumbing a flyby once over, ensuring your emergency water shutoffs are working, checking the age, safety, and condition of your water heater, and verifying your water pressure is not too high or low. We want to leave you with peace of mind that your plumbing system is good to go. So when you're feeling the glow of Why It Works Fairy Godmother moment and our straight talk and do it right plumber asks to do a flyby, now you know why. Because you're the main character and we want the rest of your movie to be as trouble free as possible. Consider it done at whyitworks.com. Brandon Tatum wants parents to stand up. With this Kappa Kappa Gamma, with a dude that's 6'2", 260 pounds, in a sorority house with all of these women, you just transitioned 30 minutes ago. You ain't a woman. I just don't understand why we tolerate this in our society today. Why can't we finally grow a spine and say enough is enough? The Officer Tatum Show. Weeknights at 7 on AM 1420, The Answer. Or on iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. 
little wildfire for the afternoon. Anyway, uh, you know, I always recommend books, and uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Kashul Nanavati. I, I uh, had a great conversation with him about a year ago this time uh, up in, in New York, and he's out of Syracuse, and he has a book out. It's on Amazon called Core, the Number Four of Wellness. It's 70 pages, and it's a great book. I highly recommend it. Uh, Kashul is a great guy, by the way. Uh, you know, I highly recommend it. But I do believe we have Jason on the line. Jason, how are you? I'm doing good, Tim. How about you? No complaints. What's hey, up? Tim, I, yeah, I just wanted to, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the inflation number. And I know that the PCE came out and there was three categories that were largely driving it. Um, and and I, I think the one thing that, that we're overlooking, though, with it is people are spending right now, which is driving uh, you know, the earnings of some of the companies that weren't as, as bad as expected. But I also saw some alarming numbers of how people are paying for this, for the goods that they're buying or the services they're buying from these companies. And, and the debt levels that these people that in the country are accumulating, um, it, it's, it's, it's obscene. And at some point, they're going to get cut off from, from, from charging all this on their credit cards. Um, they're not going to be able to take out the home equity loans because the interest rates are so high to keep it going. So I, that's my only concern is how much longer can this consumer continue to borrow to fuel the, the, the earnings of the company? They've gone through all their COVID money. So now it's on the credit card. Well, you know, I hate to tell you this, Jason, but the government's still paying you not to work. So here we are arguing about the debt situation, and we're paying people not to work still. I mean, yeah, hey, you, if, got 100, you, on, you got a hundred. Yeah, Tim, and, and just to that point, you got a hundred people in the in the house saying they won't vote on the debt ceiling if there's any work requirements. Exactly, and uh, so the the point is, look, I'm going to tell you something. Since I started in this business, part of my job is to be a professional worrier, because I'm telling you, there's always something to worry about, and the more there is to worry about the better opportunity you have to buy great companies, okay? Because the companies are constantly striving to do better or they get, you know, you don't keep your job, right? In most cases. Right. So, yeah, uh, I love it when it's like this. I, I mean, I got clients that, you know, don't return my phone call. It's great because uh, the clients that do are going to make a lot of money right now, I, in my humble opinion. And I'm saying... This and I, uh, you know, look, I was negative. Uh, I, I was, I thought we were, we, I made a mistake. Let me step back. I made a mistake back in May of last year thinking we were at the bottom and uh, we weren't there. Then in September, I was right. I said we were at the bottom. So, you know, the boy who cried wolf, people weren't listening to me, but I'm telling you, this may be one of the greatest buying opportunities you and I've had since 2009. Okay. So that's all I got to say. So let them worry. Let's talk about the end of the world. Uh, the the point is, is that's, you know, look, in 1962, there were 13 nuclear warheads 100 miles from Miami Beach. That's something to worry about. And you know what? The Dow was below 100 then. What is it now? 30, 30, almost 33,000. Thank you. <laughs> There's a straight man in every crowd, Jason. Thank you very much. Anyway, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to worry, okay? You're always going to worry, and the more your stomach turns, the better buy you're going to get, okay? So, all right, man? Thanks for calling. Anyway, Jason, uh, uh, if you, if, for those who aren't out there, the number here was 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. You know, something happened last week. Uh, Gabriel Boric, who's the uh, Chile's president, uh, he nationalized the lithium industry, which did a, you know, whacked uh, Alba Marley. And uh, so I just don't think, uh, you know, Alba Marley's going away, by the way. So that's number one. Number two, I've been talking about artificial intelligence for two weeks now, and it's, it had liftoff last week. <laughs> I mean, NVIDIA, which I own quite a bit of, and Marvell, which I own quite a bit of, were virtual. I mean, Marvell was the number one stock last week, by the way. Now, I, I've been in and out of Marvell. I bought it. I, I talked about it on this show at $5 a share when insiders are buying. 
It was, it was a while ago. It went to 80. I sold some in IRAs. All right. And then I bought some back just recently at 42. Um, and, uh, well, not recently, it was about seven months ago. So, but we also talked about for the last two weeks about semiconductors and how they were looking pretty good. And, uh, I'll just say we, you know, just pat ourselves on the back a little bit, but, um, you know, if you're wondering this, this stuff works. Okay. So one of the things, uh, that we've seen and we talked about was we, we've been in this trend since the bottom in 2009. Now we did have what they call a, um, uh, a wipeout <laughs> in, t- in 2020. Okay. But we only were down below the uptrend line for less than a month, two weeks to be exact. Uh, but this last January, I talked about the momentum figures being way overbought. And uh, if you were one of my clients, I didn't talk to you too much about ideas. Now, I did make a, you know, back in February, we had a major buy signal on the on the the uh, bullish percent. And what happened basically is the week after that, a lot of banks failed. And like I said, the you know when they sell the ETFs, the KRE, when they sell it. They also sell the Russell 2000, so some of the small cap names got beat up. However, the momentum was the was at the lowest level I've seen back in September. That's why I said I think we've hit bottom. Of course, you know, 12 days later we had one, uh, you know, uh, big sell off just to make me look bad. Uh, and then the next day it got back up to above where I I said the bottom was. So that's good. But momentum turned positive last week. And that's the first time in almost 12 months. So that's big, uh, big, big. And we broke the 40, 41.95 that I've been talking about for about a month and a half now. And I think, uh, you know, we'll probably go to like 4,200, stall a little bit, and then go on to 43, I think, 43.25. Now, if we're going to get to 40, I think it's 4,800 is the, the old high, we have a problem. Now, I am seeing that the Russell 2000, is seeing some signs of, of a bottom. Uh, and there's a lot of cheap stocks in that area, boy. Uh, what we'd like to see is a turn up in the relative strength versus the S&P 500. Uh, semiconductors had a blowout week. We talked about that last week and the week before. Um, I still think there's a, I mean, they're just too cheap. And if you look at their relative performance versus the S&P 500 on a weekly chart, they look fantastic, all right? Uh, and industrial machinery, we're we're looking at that too. Uh, that's a group that I think is is pretty big, uh, you know, and could be bigger. So we'll just keep our minds, um, you know. Like I said, uh, I'm, what I'm trying to be is rational. Okay, I'm not trying to be bullish. I've been bearish before. Okay, on this show in in 2007, I think it was you know November 1st. I I started talking about the the that cash would outperform the S and P 500. And I stayed that way. I mean, look, I had a couple people that opened up accounts with me, and I didn't do anything for a year. All right, and then we put them in Marshfield. <laughs> you know, we we bought them some really high quality stocks, and I talked about it. That was the the first week of March in two thousand nine. So, one of the things I did notice is the monthly uh, quadrant balance uh, balance oscillator, which is a momentum figure that our good friend Rob Schleimer, who's our our head technician here at uh, RBC talks about quite regularly. And we had a confirmation, I think, you know, by looking at that, that the S&P established a very important low in, in the fourth quarter of 2022. So we're seeing an expanding number of stocks go up, and that's what I, I like. Okay, so, you know, we, and what's interesting, we went right to the 200-day moving average, 200-month uh, moving average, and we held. Uh, I think that's very, very positive. So, um, and, and this week, the relative performance of the S&P 500 versus the Bar- Barclays um, aggregate bond index broke out. So when bonds break down, the yield goes up. And that's what occurred. Now, we, we thought that yields would go up. And they went up a little bit more than I expected, to be honest with you. But um, that's the life of, uh, you know, anybody in my business. Okay. So, but that, remember. When yields go up, and it's the short-term yields that are going up, folks, okay? It's not the long-term yields, although they're they're trending up a little bit. But, I mean, you could get a two-month CD at like 6% right now, 
All right. Now it's only 6% for two months. You don't get a full year's worth of interest at that 6%, but you can get it. All right. So there we go. And, and I think what's interesting is that the S&P 500 is going up during this period of time. So what we've seen is that the, on the daily charts, the momentum is just turned positive. So I, I think we have a ways to go. And uh, the NASDAQ, uh, you know, shot straight up because of NVIDIA on Thursday. And, uh, uh, and I think, you know, you got to go from there. So let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about the bullish percent. So stay tuned. This is the Smart Investor Show. If you have a question, 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. Take your investment knowledge to new heights this year on the 2023 Eagle Financial Publications Cruise. Join us along with The Money Show on a luxury voyage to the Caribbean and learn from top financial experts like George Gilder and Mark Skelson through workshops and seminars. Relax and refresh, all while discussing investment strategies with like-minded individuals. Secure your spot today at EagleFinancialCruise.com. That's EagleFinancialCruise.com. Eagle Financial is a division of Salem Media Group. You know those places that charge $69.99, $79.99 or more for all of the crab legs you can eat? Don't pay for all you can eat. Pay for what you eat at the Lobster Pot in beautiful Willoughby Hills. All through May and all through June, the pot is offering one and a quarter pound jumbo Alaskan snow crab legs, which come with two side dishes. Forget this, only $25. And hey, if you still feel hungry after that, order another pound for only 19 more dollars. And as far as their other items on the menu, it's endless, with pretty much every type of the freshest seafood in the city. And if you're not a fish eater, they have several meat items on the menu too. And don't forget about the Lobster Pot's beautiful enclosed outdoor patio for all of those beautiful summer and fall evenings. That's Crab Fest all May and June at the Lobster Pot. Open Wednesday through Sunday for dinner. Call now for reservations at 440-569-1634. That's 440-569-1634. Or go to their website, thelobsterpot.com. That's thelobsterpot.com. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. All right, folks. <laughs> uh, we just got a, I just got a couple questions via email. Uh, one is from Kyle. Kyle said, Tim, you know, uh, when can when can we meet and how do we meet? And I, I'll refer back to WHK's webpage. Uh, and all you have to do is hit the contact me or email me, and and they'll they'll send me a note. Okay, and uh, I'll, I'll I usually send you some stuff first. And then call you later. Uh, usually, I wait a week after you get our material. Um, also, if you want the digital, I mean, you want the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, or our top ideas, uh, I think all of those are going to be really, really significant over the next two or three years. Um, you know, it's there. And then under Insight, there's a lot of good stuff and, you know, good research on that. Uh, if you hit the Insight tab, and then Rob Schleiber's under Bulletin Board there. So there you go. The, the other question was from Michael in Westlake. Michael, um, glad to hear you listen to the show. He said, you've mentioned regional banks. Are they a good buy right now? Uh, that's for the world to decide. I, I don't think you have to be the first one in. They did go into a column of X's and break a double top on a, on a point and figure chart. There's a great deal of resistance. Uh, and I'm looking at the KRE, which is the, uh, you know, the big regional bank. Uh, scenario. And so they're at 42 and between 42 and 49, there's quite a bit of resistance. So it's going to take a while to, you know, to get through there. Okay. 
Now, look, there's some pretty good banks out there that are pretty cheap right now, but uh, I'm not suggesting that you go uh, and you have to be the first one. <laughs> that, usually that doesn't make sense if, if you're uh, you're run, running in, into things like that. So we'll just leave it at that, okay? So the bullish percent's at 40, so we're getting pretty low. Uh, the bullish percent on the over-the-counter index was up 2.5 this week, so it was below 30. That's the green zone, folks. So the small caps got beat up. So what they did was they threw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay, so when you when they, the Russell 2000 got hit and they sold everything off, it was because of regional banks. It had nothing to do with those other companies. Now, maybe some do business with some of those regional banks. And that's that's I had one stock like that. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, the analyst didn't mention it to us, uh, which happens from time to time. Uh, and maybe he didn't even know. Okay, because, you know, there's they may do business with five or six banks. Okay. Uh, anyway, we hit 40 uh, and then we. Uh, we uh, traded up on Friday and uh, about a half a point. So there we go. The world index is still in the column of X's and it's at 42. So these are all pretty good positions to be adding uh, high quality stocks. Now, what I did find is if I look at dynamic asset level investing, this is relative strength investing, folks. Okay. International equities were number one. And what happened this week is we had domestic equities hit number two. So they overtook uh, commodities, and commodities fell to number three, and then it was cash, and then it was fixed income. So fixed income took a hit. Remember, when yields go up, the bond prices go down. But when the, fixed, when the yields go up, if you're a yield buyer, if you're a bond buyer, that's a good time to buy, okay? Uh, so what I thought was interesting is that uh, the cap-weighted index, went into a column of X's versus the equal weight index this week. And that had been the other way around. So I think that's interesting. And mid-cap blend and mid-cap value tend to be the best-looking stocks. And now it's technologies, number one. Basic materials are number two. Uh, industrials, number three. Consumer cyclical, number four. And uh, consumer non-cyclical, so staples. And then consumer cyclical. There was a lot of retail stocks that blew out on the upside this week. So I thought that was kind of an interesting scenario. Um, you know, and, and we'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, but, uh, people have been asking me about gold and, and gold is in a column of O's right now on a short term chart. And if I look at, um, at what I'm doing is I'm comparing gold to the QQQs or the S and P 500 and silver versus the QQQs and the S and P 500. So they're in a column of O's right now. And I think you got to be kind of careful with them, uh, cause we're kind of at, an area, a pretty crucial area. Now, base metals are are having the same problem versus, uh, you know, if I mean, if you're looking at base metals versus fixed income, fixed income selling off, but base metals are selling off more. So, if I look at gold versus Latin America, America, Latin America is looking better. As a matter of fact, in emerging markets, Latin America looks much better than anything in the Far East. Okay, uh, Brazil. I get there's a couple of different names. So, the dynamic asset level sector ratings right now. So we're relative strength invading technology. Remember, technology is dead last just six, six months ago, okay? Basic materials, industrials, consumer non-cyclical or staples, consumer cyclical, which is retail, they're all favored. The two most favored are technology and basic materials. Healthcare is non-favored, and it's only like 10 votes away from becoming favored, right? So technologies. You got overweight. It's improving. Basic materials, you overweight. Industrials, you overweight. I think you equal weight the, the non-cyclical consumer stocks because they've made a run. Okay, uh, and I think you still underweight underweight communication services. Five G is not happening as fast as everybody thought it was because of the pandemic. They, you know, people weren't letting people in to, <laughs> uh, you know, put in an antenna in their building because of the fact that, you know, they had the, they had the pandemic going. Now, somebody asked me about, uh, you know, internationals, and I tell you, one of the best charts I saw was the Greek uh, ETF. Uh, I saw two different Greek ETFs. One broke a, a double top and then another double top, and the other one broke a triple top. So that's kind of interesting. And the 10-year yield index, uh, the yield, okay, we're talking about the yield. So yield goes up, price goes down. The yield index broke its downtrend line this week. Uh, we kind of... Suggested that might happen 
Um, it, whatever. Now, I said this back in January that I thought that the uh, oil group was shaky, and it's really looking shaky right now. Okay. Um, I would also suggest that the U.S. dollar held support here, um, but it's looking shaky too. So you know, be careful. Uh, if U.S. dollar goes down, commodities should go up. But it's been weird this year or last year, actually, the U.S. dollar went up because of the Ukrainian situation, and commodities lifted off. So uh, something to think about anyway. Um, so um, I'm trying to get to uh, another page. It's not working. So hold on. Um, so if I look um, accordingly to some things that I think are very, very important. And, and, you know, mostly what I'm seeing is that we had the breakout that I've been anticipating, okay, which I think is pretty good. Small cap growth has recouped its downtrend line versus small cap value. That's kind of interesting. So some of the smaller cap uh, technology stocks may be a place to go back to, all right? And the other thing, technology's recent outperformance, it may stall. Uh, and, you know, we'll see. But, uh, you know, what we want to happen is more participation, okay? So, our uh, look, uh, you know, we talked about DeMarc. Tom DeMarc is a very smart guy. He had, uh, we, we had a completion of the DeMarc-based exhaustion on strength into uh, the end of the week. Uh, it might, you know, we might have a little bit of a slowdown now because we had such a big move. So, you know, uh, we're going to have some periods like 4,200, like I said, 4,250 is kind of a resistance area. It may fuddle around a little bit. 4,325 is a big, big area. So we'll see what happens. But the S&P chart doesn't give uh, many reasons to avoid being involved right now. <laughs> All right. We've broken some of the downtrend lines, um, you know. You would like to see something besides technology, or you'd like to see more stocks in technology, and that's what I saw Friday. Everything in the semiconductor area went up, and even the software stocks. I, you know, some stocks had broken down, uh, had, had broke out, um, and I think that's very, very important. So we'll, we'll see what happens going forward. But you know, we, we had some minor weakness last week, and it was a good buying opportunity. And, and I think everybody. Uh, you know, somewhere in 2024, beginning of 2024, is my opinion, is going to be wishing that they were buying stocks right now. All right. Um, the equal weight technology level, you know, is the only concern I have because we have the XLK, which is the bigger names. And the I, I own the NASDAQ composite for some people. Um, and I own the QQQ. I mean, the um, yeah, the QQQs for some people, too. But the, the, the problem is the XLK is breaking out, but the the equal weight technology index is about 15% behind it. That's what you want to, you know, that's what you want to see. You want, you want to see them gain that ground. Okay. So I thought, you know, I was looking at last Tuesday's trading and, you know, healthcare, industrials, discretionary tech, and communication service were all down 1%. Uh, and then three of those areas were up 1% on Friday. So industrials, discretionary, and tech. Uh, so, Things are, <laughs> uh, we're having a lot of ups and downs here, but generally, you know, as Rob Schleimer says, the technicals are improving, okay, and the sentiment is is still negative. I mean, people, it, it, it's amazing how negative people are out there. So, uh, you know, that's the best time to buy, folks. When your neighbor says, I'm never touching the stock market again, that's when you want to participate. When your neighbor says, I'm day trading, that's when you want to jump out the window. <laughs> okay. Uh, I always tell the story of my next door neighbor who's, who's moved since then, but he had a friend come over and he said he was day trading. I said, you'll be broken six months. It took three. Okay. So the, the, the point is when people hate the market, you should love it. So call us, get the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, our best ideas, and start to make you know, look, look at things. We talked about the semiconductors for two weeks before this. Marvell was up 33% last week. NVIDIA was up 80 bucks, all right, in a day. 
that's a pretty big move. All right. So, by the way, it wasn't just them. The only one that was down was Intel. And I think uh, Pat, that's running the show now, is I, I don't know if he's going the right direction. You know, they they had some people in the past. It's not his fault, by the way. People in the past that went, did some stupid things, and <clears throat> they're paying for it now. But I think three or four years from now, they may write the ship, and boy, that could be a home run, but it was down. But most of the other semiconductors were up. Even the small names were up. So that's something that's very, very positive. So I think, you know, if you look, uh, you know, the equal weight has broken to its, its lowest level while the XLK is breaking out. We want that to change. Hey, let's take a break. I come back with insiders. The phone number here is 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. Two radio stations in this city that aren't like any others. One gives you the real news and issues and honest analysis from some of the best talkers in America. The other gives you music and entertainment that's safe for the whole family. Something you and your kids can actually listen to together. Oh yeah, we're different, all right. For real news and information, turn to AM 1420, The Answer. And for entertainment, safe for the whole family, turn to 95.5, The Fish. Because different is good. Always Right Radio with Bob France. Chaos GPT's official account features tweets with disturbing messages like human beings are among the most destructive and selfish creatures in existence. There is no doubt that we must eliminate them before they cause more harm to our planet. I, for one, am committed to doing so. This is a computer creating that thought and spitting it out on a tweet. I don't want to go overboard and say Skynet is being built, but I'll say this. Skynet is being built. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on The Answer. And Odyssey. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. Uh, you know, I uh, kind of hate to interrupt that song. Uh, so I won't. <laughs> okay. We're back. If you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. Uh, if you got a question, 216-901-0945. So now we talk about insiders. And insiders tend to know their company better than we do. So uh, when they buy big, you should pay attention. Now, this one is interesting. It's EVGO. So especially retailer that got beat up. It was like an $8 stock. It's now like 4 And uh, David Manis, who's a director, is a smart guy, by the way, but about 5.8 million shares, which is about $25 million worth of stock. So they ain't chump change. And then the Baker brothers who were, you know, four or five years ago, they were the hottest biotech guys in the planet. And they had a couple blowups, but they made so much money before that, that you probably didn't notice. <laughs> and I noticed they bought a ton of Acadia several times this week. Uh, Acadia, they, they bought 14 million uh, on the uh, 24th. Uh, then they bought on the 23rd another 5.3 million. Then they bought uh, another 506,000 on the uh, 12th. So Acadia is uh, well. Let's put it this way: they had they got beat up pretty bad, and and, that, and now they're moving forward. So they didn't buy them at the bottom, uh, which was 15, but they paid 24 for it. And then um, Akira Therapeutics. You know, have you noticed there's a theme in this? If you haven't, I want to mention it for you. There's been a theme in insider buying. It's been a lot, a lot of biotechs the last two months. All right. So here we have Akira Therapeutics, and um, this guy's a director. Uh, his name is Wamsley Graham, and he, he bought 10 million shares uh, or $10 million worth. Uh, and I thought that was kind of interesting. And then Kelsey Warren is back out it with energy transfer. He bought um, uh, another, uh, oh, it's about $9.5, $9.6 million uh, worth. Uh, and then he came back two days later, and he bought another 
$5 million worth. And then he came back a day later and bought another $4.4 million worth. So um, stock stays around 12, you know, pays a decent dividend. There you go. And then Lazy Days Holdings, which is an uh, auto dealership. We had uh, Coliseum Capital Management by uh, a, approximately $8.2 million worth of stock. So there we go. Um, you know what? I forgot to mention uh, our good friend uh, Wamsley uh, bought uh, Acaro twice. He paid. He, he bought t- t- uh, $9.10 million and another $5 million. And then we had uh, Prelude Therapeutics, which is down around 5 bucks. We had Orbamed, which is very smart money, plus the chairman, plus uh, Kelsey, uh, I mean, uh, plus the chairman, uh, buy quite a bit of the stock. Um, so Prelude, they had they both bought $5 million worth. And then we had the chairman of the board over at Royalty Pharma, which was a, a $37 stock, is now 32 uh, buy $4.8 million. Seems to be a pattern there, folks. Uh, then the Howard Hughes Corporation. This is not the first time that Pershing Square has bought this stock. They bought another $3.5 million worth. Uh, and then two days later, came back and bought another $3.1 million worth. So uh, they've been buying quite a bit of it all along. Um, now, here's one called Insula, Insulet, uh, and they make medical devices. We recommend this stock at $13. Uh, it's now, uh, well, I think they bought it at $304, um, and it's, it's been a home run. And it's down hard uh, over the last couple of weeks, so we'll see what happens. But and then uh, American Vanguard Corporation, which is agricultural stuff, we had uh, a director buy a, a million dollars worth, and GM. I thought that was interesting. Uh, Paul uh, J- Jacobson, who's an executive VP, bought a million dollars worth. So a lot of a lot of insider buying there, and uh, um, I, I think that's kind of that's fairly interesting. And you should you know, when you have. Uh, insiders buying heavily, um, you know, you should pay pretty close attention because, uh, you know, most of the time they are in a situation where, you know, they're 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 smarter than than us. Let's put it that way. Now, I looked at a few things this uh, last couple of weeks, and I, I think this is important because it look. The the S and P and the Nasdaq have pushed to the highest levels of the year, while everybody's bearish. Okay, and by the way, the bullish percent has been in a column column of O's. So, uh, you know, it, it's where you're you want to be more careful, obviously. But um, and the transportation average have have lagged this rally. So you'd like to see them pull up. So May has been it's proven to be far more resilient than expected. But remember, we said the first, you know, in modern history, the first couple of weeks of May are ugly, and then the, the last weeks of May are uh, pretty good. And you remember, holidays change trends, so remember that part. Um, but the index trends remain positive, all right? So large-cap tech has, has rebounded very sharply here, obviously, um, and we, we have some strong resistance at the 4235 level to 4325. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to bounce up there and then we're going to go sideways for a while. And then we'll, you know, probably in the first part of 2024, we're going to try to break through. Um, We need some time to to heal some of the financials, most notably the regional banks and uh, healthcare, uh, you know, got whacked by the uh, government because they killed the Amgen uh, horizontal pharma deal. Uh, Well, they haven't killed it, but they pretty much Said that they're not, they don't like it, uh, which probably puts a lid on all the small cap uh, bios uh, for any deal activity. Uh, this this administration does not like deals. Leave it at that. The balance in Treasury yields, especially the ten year and the thirty year, is a concern because what it'll probably do is put a lid on the market uh, for a while. You know, so we've broken out, and you know when you break out, you pull back sideways for a while. Okay, when when you break out of a, a a resistance area, you tend to break out. You have a big move, and then you pull back, and then you go sideways for a while. And then you, if you know, if you're if you're going higher, you'll you'll have a, a move further. Now, somebody asked me about Nvidia. Uh, that's Tom and Thompson Shaker. Tom, when you when Nvidia broke to a new high, okay, so uh, it may go a little bit higher and then it'll probably do the same thing. It'll pull back and base and then go higher if, if it's still good. 
it was an amazing quarter, I got to say. Uh, I'm not recommending NVIDIA here, but, um, you know, we rec- we recommended this back when we were allowed to re- recommend stocks at 26 because of insider buying before a four-for-one split. So now the dollar index in recent weeks uh, was very strong, and then it pulled back just in the last couple of weeks, so we'll see what happens. And uh, commodities have really proved negative over the last six weeks. Um, you know, everybody talks about gold and silver. Yet I can't tell if it's ready to be real positive and break out or break down. All right. And I think you have to wait until they get to a new high. That's simple. You know, uh, you know, gold and silver have a sideways pattern for like 14 years, 15 years. And, and until it breaks through, I don't think you buy gold. OK. And I, I, by the way, my clients know that. And, uh, you know, copper has broken down, but it looks like it's close to bottoming. So. You know, copper should lead gold, uh, usually. Um, sugar, live cattle, frozen orange juice are probably the most bullish. Uh, you know, I'll leave that. But there's a huge divergence right now between the S&P 500 and the equal weight S&P 500. Now, the equal weight had been beating the S&P up until about a month ago. All right. Um, that's not what you want. You want, you know, more participation. Now, the S&P 500 Advanced decline line hit a new high Friday, uh, not an all-time new high, but a new high for the year. So that that's something that's pretty positive, I think. Uh, so what do you do now? Look, go to WHK fourteen twenty, go to local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show. Uh, I would highly recommend you go to Insight. There's a lot of good. There's two new pieces this week that are really good. Take a look. There's there's they name names there. Okay. Uh, and under bulletin board, Rob Schleimer's work is there, and there's also a, a newsletter you can get. But if you'd like to have an appointment, we'll talk about your portfolio. Uh, we'll talk about how do you get income over a long period of time. Um, we have our top ideas, our digital growth, I, I mean, our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list. Uh, small caps are cheap, you know, so if, if, if you play that game, that, that we have our small cap list. And our ADR list, uh, ADRs have pretty good uh, dividends. Uh, we've got quite a few on there with 3 and 4% dividend yields. Uh, and, you know, one thing we like to do here is buy dividends that grow. Okay, so we'll just leave it at that. So it's, uh, it's a beautiful weekend. It's a holiday weekend. And as I always say, uh, you see a Marine, slap them five. Be careful. They're, they're, they can be bad dudes. If you know a, uh, a Navy SEAL or you, you know a uh, an infantry person, uh, or you know a pilot or a sailor, hug them. It's Memorial Day. They deserve it, uh, or at least salute them, okay? In the meantime, this is Tim Hayes, the Smart Investor Show. God bless America. I love so much. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll free, 888 223 7742. That's 888 223 7742. Or visit his website, slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.